the Disgruntled Life Coach Podcast, Episode 23. The Disgruntled Life Coach Podcast. It won't make your love life better. It won't make you more successful financially. And it won't make your 2022 any better than your crappy 2021. But if you listen carefully, you might just end up a better person. And, maybe, those other things will follow. Or not. Whatever. And now, the Disgruntled Life Coach Podcast. Welcome to Season 2 of the Disgruntled Life Coach Podcast. I'm, I'm glad you're back, and I'm glad to be back. This season, I'll be serving up some brand new ideas in the same format, but I will be inviting some guests starting early in September, so look for that. But to kick things off, this episode is about anxiety. Something we can all relate to going into another year of learning the fucking Greek alphabet the hard way. So, let's just dive right in. First, as always, let's take a look at the definition for anxiety so that we can see exactly what we're dealing with here. According to the American Psychological Association, anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. Since anxiety can lead to panic attacks in some individuals some of the time, let's define panic as a sudden uncontrollable fear or anxiety often causing wildly unthinking behavior. Even though we talk about panic as something that introduces poorly organized thoughts, it's important to know that anxiety can also change your perceptions and thought patterns. This, in turn, can allow for poor decision-making based on those patterns, like thinking your purple football team is much better than their 8 wins, 9 loss record. Hint, they're not. But hey, let's look at a few quotations and help us get a sense of what anxiety can do. Our first quotation is by Cornelia Arnaldo Johanna Tenboom known affectionately as Corey Ten Boom, who was a Dutch watchmaker and later a writer and public speaker, who worked with her father and sister to help many Jewish people escape from the Nazis during the Holocaust by hiding them in their home. Although caught and sent to a concentration camp, she was released early by accident and went on to write her seminal work, The Hiding Place, before dying at age 91 in 1983, all the while still assisting mentally handicapped people live better lives. She is quoted as saying, Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. And she knows a thing or two about worrying, strength, and sorrow. Our second quotation is from Arthur Summers Roche, who was an American lawyer who turned to writing novels, short stories, and plays. Although he died young at age 51 during the Great Depression, he left a huge body of work comprised mostly of thriller and detective novels and other things. His contribution to the quote fest states, Anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. It's important to recognize the erosion of mind through anxiety that Roche saw so clearly. We'll talk about that later. 
No, no, really, we'll talk about that later. It's in the script, Wendy. Our last quotation comes uh, to us from a familiar source, Khalil Gibran, a Lebanese-American writer, poet, artist, and philosopher. He left an impressive body of work in many forms that is still influential today, almost a century after his death. He said, Our anxiety does not come from thinking about the future, but from wanting to control it. This is really key to much of what we feel as anxiety, the lack of control and the fear of the unknown. But even in these difficult times, there are things you can do to live a less anxious life. Let's, let's talk about those things now. Anxiety. Just the word makes people anxious. But we've always had anxiety as a species. Fear triggers our fight-or-flight reactions, but it's anxiety that comes as a precursor to fear, that feeling that we should be more aware that something dangerous may be close. Anxiety should just appear, help us to evaluate the landscape, and then leave when we're safe. But it doesn't always work that way, and that's when we encounter problems. Problems aside, anxiety helps you perform better, according to David H. Barlow, an American psychologist and professor emeritus of psychology and psychiatry at Boston University. The anxiety is something that motivates you to plan your approach to these challenges in such a way that you feel you're prepared, Barlow said. But it's not always so straightforward. High levels of ongoing anxiety can lead to panic attacks as well. According to an article published by Anxiety Canada, Panic attacks are fairly common, but having one does not mean that you have a panic disorder. They continue to say panic attacks only become a problem if you are regularly worried about having more attacks, or if you are afraid that something bad will happen because of a panic attack. So it's a self-perpetuating problem with only some of its roots in anxiety. But we're seeing more and more anxiety in today's society, and we have to ask why that is. Dr. Graham Davies is a professor of psychology at the University of Essex and an anxiety expert. In an article titled, Is There an Anxiety Epidemic? He says, It would be irresponsible of me to claim that all is doom and gloom on the anxiety epidemic front. Roughly one in five people regularly suffer distressingly high levels of anxiety, but there's no significant evidence that this ratio has increased over the years. He bases this partially on another paper titled Challenging the Myth of an Epidemic of Common Mental Health Disorders, Trends in the Global Prevalence of Anxiety and Depression between 1990 and 2010 that was published in the Journal of Depression and Anxiety. So, if there's not an epidemic of anxiety, why are so many of us always so anxious? There's a huge problem we're all facing right now, and it has to do with our current pandemic situation. A disaster can have far-reaching consequences on mental health, and this, according to the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies, is a disaster. They classify disaster as a sudden catastrophic event that severely disrupts the functioning of a community or society. 
causing human, material, economic, or environmental losses. And, according to research, a disaster may precipitate PTSD, anxiety, and depression among the population. The Chief of Behavioral Health at Reliant Medical Group, Dr. Samuel Nordberg, says, The danger is that some people have been worried for so long about getting COVID-19 that it could spark symptoms of agoraphobia and other anxiety disorders. He continues by stating, although most people are eager to get back to their routines, that won't be true of everybody. Some people will need help readjusting. In a paper titled The COVID-19 Anxiety Syndrome Scale, Development of Psychometric Properties, by Professor Nick Savich and Speda, outlined the characteristics of COVID-19 anxiety syndrome, listing avoidance, compulsive symptom checking, worrying, and threat monitoring as factors. This syndrome manifests as an inability to leave the house because of COVID-19 fears, frequently checking for symptoms despite not being at high risk uh, and avoiding social situations or people. So, can we fix this anxiety problem, COVID-related or not? Can we make strides, at the very least, to alleviate these anxiety issues both in the current short-term pandemic era and for the longer term? The answer is complicated because if you have actual pathological anxiety disorders like social anxiety disorder or generalized anxiety disorder or any other clinically diagnosable disorder that negatively affects your day-to-day life, then a pretend life coach won't do that for you. You'll need to seek professional assistance and I encourage you to do that. But if you are functioning pretty well generally, but anxiety is just getting in your way and wrecking your sleep patterns. There are things you can do and things you should stop doing. So let's talk about that now. The first thing you should do, what you need to do, is recognize that you have anxiety and that you can see what it actually does to you. You'll need to be honest with yourself here and challenge your negative core beliefs. Linda Esposito, a psychotherapist in Pasadena, California, specializing in anxiety, says, remember that thoughts precede feelings. Negative thoughts lead to negative emotions, which lead to negative behaviors. Now, this is a difficult difficult concept, there's, there's no question. But naming your anxiety, knowing why it's there, and then accepting that you can change its direction is a powerful tool, and you should use it. It's not as powerful as, say, a sledgehammer, but it's far less invasive. On a more pragmatic note, Dr. Uma Naidu, a nutritional psychiatrist who serves as the Director of Nutritional and Lifestyle Psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital, says, in addition to taking guidance from your doctor about options for treating anxiety, You should augment that treatment by paying attention to how and what you eat. This is absolutely correct. Uh, And I know you, you get tired of professionals and maybe even your mother telling you to eat your vegetables, but eat your fucking vegetables. Also, decrease sugar, alcohol, and processed foods, but eat more fruits and vegetables and and foods that are high in nutrients like omega-3. It's not really that complicated, and Google is your friend here. Find a good source and learn how to eat properly. Talk to a nutritionist if you have to. It can help you with way more than just anxiety. 
And really, who doesn't like to eat good food? Finally, do a thing that feeds the inner you. It will be different for everyone, but just take time for yourself. Get back to nature if that's what works. Play some music. Take ballroom dancing. Whatever it is. Don't think about whether you have time or not. It's your life. You have time to live your friggin' life. We all have pursuits, hobbies, or, or interests that we enjoy doing. Just do more of that. Do the things that will make you feel better about yourself and the world around you. We all win. Except if you're the Vikings, then you only win half the time. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's less than half the time. That's it for this episode. Please remember to follow me on Twitter, and as always, please go ahead and ask me for some stickers. I have lots. As well, I would really like to hear from you about what you want me to talk about this season. Email coach at disgruntledlifecoach.ca or DM me on Twitter at lifedisgruntled. I'd be thrilled to hear from you. I'm not even joking here. Also, if you like what you heard today, tell your friends. If you think this is ridiculous, still, tell your friends. I mean, how hard is that? Disgruntled nugget. Plato once said, Nothing in the affairs of men is worthy of great anxiety. Yet 20th century painter Walter Anderson said, Nothing diminishes anxiety faster than action. To make things murkier, Eckhart Tolle said, Sometimes letting things go is an act of far greater power than defending or hanging on. Therefore, we should not be important enough to have anxiety that we can alleviate with action once we are anxious, but we should also let go of the affairs of men because defending is hanging on or something. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Again, thanks for listening. And thanks also to Audio Nautics and Partners in Rhyme for music and sound effects. Thanks again to Neatnik for visuals. And thanks for your patience. See you in two weeks. Or not. Whatever. Whatever.